Welcome to the second part of my conversation with Sarah Rosentula, where we talk about how leaders can start identifying their purpose, the purpose of their teams and organizations, what business practices we believe need to evolve, change, or we need to leave them behind altogether, and how to work on purpose in a remote or hybrid setting. For those who have not listened to the first part of my conversation with Sarah, she is a chartered psychologist, leadership consultant, and a dialogue coach with a number of years of international experience working with some big organizations such as BP and Discovery. She also founded her consulting company called Bridgework in 2007 to inspire leaders and strengthen organizations so that they become a force for good in the world. But she's also the author of Powered by Purpose, a book available Amazon in print and ebook format. I highly suggest that you read. It's an amazing, fascinating read. Here's the second part of my conversation with Sarah Rosentula. Enjoy. We Got This showcases individuals and organizations that create people-focused workplace cultures to help it become the norm rather than the exception. It's something that will require a mindset shift and probably not something that any of us can do alone. But together, together, we got this. When an organization or a leader wants to do some self-reflection and in terms of purpose and around purpose that they want to do some, some work, what are some of the questions I can, I guess, they can ask themselves first to start them on on that journey towards identifying a purpose? To work, start start having conversation about purpose. What would you say those questions could be that they ask themselves? Yeah, well, I think it can be a very interesting exercise and quite a simple one to, you know, take a big sheet of paper draw your leadership lifeline or your lifeline, you know, capture some of the key turning points along the way. And you might reflect on, you know, moments where you felt really seen by people or where you felt actually really energized back to that theme. You might also ask yourself the question, what have been my, and I'm going to use the phrase crucible moments, and that's a phrase coined by Bill George, the writer who writes about authentic leadership and purpose and finding your North Star. And his perspective and his colleagues' perspective is that these crucible moments, which is where we sort of feel plunged into the fire uh, and really tested by life, can actually really give us a a glimpse as well of what our purpose is because and I think you sort of referred a bit to this earlier you know these experiences like those shocking events or things that are quite difficult can burn off some of the dross and then it's actually easier to see well in essence who am I you know what am I about what am I doing here and so in my work with leaders and in my own reflection, just digging into some of those crucible moments has really been valuable in terms of, again, going on that purpose quest. Uh, I guess these, these turning points are absolutely right, though. It's, but it's so difficult for us to understand and, and notice those points. An interesting point, conversation topic, I, I often like to ask, ask guests on the podcast if they're working with organizations, if, if it's a case study type of interview. I actually purposely ask the question, what went wrong? 
what are the, some of the things that completely just derailed your team, you, the organization, whatever? Where have you messed up? Because that's where the true learnings really are. It's all mm-hmm. nice and great to celebrate successes. And we definitely need to, need to do that more. But we also need to talk about where we've gone wrong, where yeah. we've made a mistake and it just completely went sideways so quickly. And where you think just gone sideways because that's just the reality of how things is. You can't predict anything because otherwise, if you want, if you spend time trying to predict everything, you won't make any progress. If that was the case, we'd probably still be sitting in caves around a campfire. But it's 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 having that, and I always I, I ask that. I, I sometimes think I'll turn it into a segment of of the podcast. It's like we messed up, and and just yeah. like share share your stories. I'm still looking for organizations. If any organizations, anyone listening has. Mm, is brave enough because I think it takes courage to to do, mm. especially talk about about it openly, externally, not just internally in the organisation. I, I wholeheartedly invite you to come come forward and 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 have a chat, and I'll 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 give you the mic and it's the medium for you to to share what what you've what you've done wrong, what's gone not as you expected, and what you've learned from it. I think that's an important thing. The other the other thing that a note that just flashed on my head, and and I'm, I'm purposely kind of bouncing around a little bit, and I'd like us to uh, go a little bit back, probably about 40, 50 years, because uh, I'm a big believer that what we, how we build our organizations and how we lead people is the result, natural result, I guess, of previous generations, previous decades of how we used to build organizations back then. And we, and we just repurpose the way we do that without evolving it and humans technology and a lot of other things have evolved much quicker than our organizations and there are certain business business practices that you've already mentioned like shareholder supremacy that we we struggle with because that's why we put numbers first ahead of people and i know you mentioned milton friedman in your book who who's popularized just rightly or wrongly, if I if I remember, basically shareholder supremacy, putting putting people behind before sorry numbers behind, before people. What are some of the other practices linked to purpose as well that you think we need to ponder? Mm. We know we need to explore, evolving, changing, leaving behind. Yeah, well, I think there is this growing movement away from what is often characterized as command and control leadership, which I think, you know, has its roots in much of the military context. And, you know, the military has actually been amazing in some ways for creating innovations in management and leadership. So just to acknowledge that. But I think in our increasingly networked world, that style of leadership is increasingly incomplete and limited. And so there are new ways of leading that feel much more appropriate for these times. And I think there's different dimensions to that. And so if I just pick one of them that's really close to my heart, it would be about leaders being more able to engage in authentic dialogue and have conversations where it's possible to have quite divergent views in the room. So for example, you might have in the same organization, people who strongly believe that profit maximization is still the way to be going about business as usual with 
other leaders who were saying actually more the territory we've been exploring it's people before profit you know profit profit is absolutely necessary but let's prioritize the people so being able to have a dialogue where you can get that diversity of perspective and the collective wisdom in the room so that actually any decisions that are made coming out of that you've got everybody on board you know you haven't then got the corridor conversations where all the opposing is happening and all the resistance to change I just think authentic dialogue is at the heart of what's needed in business and amongst leaders going forwards and that is a whole skill set in and of itself it definitely definitely is and one question that again popped into my as you were talking about that dialogue that discussion which is something that is now so important in any aspect in every aspect of our lives and not not to do covid and things like that no it's just the society the state of the society that we we've got at the moment across the globe not just uk eu poland us all over the shop we just need that dialogue how do you have that dialogue though that discussion how do you work on purpose within your organization in a remote setting because two years ago we should probably have pondered that question now we must ponder and address that question how how can we do stuff well what i want to say is it's absolutely possible. A full answer to that question would probably keep us here for a good number of hours. You know, I'm just thinking recently, I worked with an organisation, I won't name them because of confidentiality reasons, you know, an organisation of about 50 people, 50 employees. And we had a session where everybody was present, including the two founders and the managing director and all the senior team and all the other people in the organisation. And it was a dialogue about that organisation's purpose. And, you know, did they nail the purpose as a result of I think we were on teams together for four hours overall? No, but did they get to the territory of their purpose and, you know, some real insights that a small and what happened was a smaller group then went and took those insights and really distilled them. And actually coming out of that, they have um, crafted a purpose statement for themselves. And so in this, you know, in the context of hybrid working or even full digital working, there's an art to it. There's a science to it as well. But it's absolutely possible, I think, if there's a willingness to put the time aside, slow down, create an environment where all the different voices are welcomed and valued and also give people something fun and energizing to do you know ask them to bring something to the session you know an object that they can share on the screen that they think reflects the organization's purpose all of that is possible because I've seen it and I've done it and it's true that there's a there is a craft to making that work it does. Let's face it, it. This is not an easy topic to talk about in the first place. It's not an easy topic to to work on. 
it's uncomfortable. It's difficult, mostly because you have to ask yourself, not just the organization or about the organization, but you have to ask yourself some very, very difficult questions. And that, I guess that's probably one of the blockers that I see to, to this happening. And this brings me on to the connection I was, I've been trying to, to, to draw between purpose, individual purpose, both organizational purpose, and the connection or the link to self-leadership. Because the more I work with clients and or individually and as organizations in the aspects of broadly company culture and leadership, the self-leadership aspect of every individual just continues to crop up in my mind. It's not something that is being talked about enough. And I wonder what what is your what's your observation on that? How important is being aware of yourself and being able to lead yourself? Because if you can't lead yourself, how can you lead other people effectively? You can do it, yes, of course, because so many people do do it relatively successfully. But how much better could it be if they did explore that element of self leadership? What what's your observation? Oh, I think self leadership is crucial I mean I wouldn't be I'm not really in a job but I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing these days without some degree of that without having cultivated some degree of that I'm still learning uh, myself how all of that works and I think this into I think the intersection that you're pointing to here which is the intersection between personal purpose and organizational purpose is a really rich area to explore. And I was fascinated recently, I did a talk for the CIPD here in the UK about purpose. And there was a fellow speaker, Paddy Hull, who from Unilever, he's the VP of the Future of Work. And he was talking about all the work they've been doing at Unilever to support individual to support employees exploring their personal purpose. And there was an acceptance that that exploration might lead to some people deciding to leave Unilever because maybe they, you know, discovered or admitted to themselves that there wasn't an alignment. And that wasn't seen as a bad outcome. And it was really refreshing to hear that because, of course, that is a possibility if we do an authentic exploration, we might think, actually, I'm not in the right role or I'm not in the right job and no amount of job crafting is, you know, going to going to bridge the gap. And so but I think the upside of that, and I'm guessing this is why Unilever is willing to make such a big investment in that area, is actually if you have got people with that sense of alignment, organisational purpose, my purpose, then then you'll have people who are energised to do great work. They'll be willing to give the extra mile, go the extra mile when they need to. And so I can really understand that an organisation would make that investment and I would really encourage other organisations to do that. One of my favourite ways of uh, looking at, in a way, what you've just described is we are all individuals and we all need to grow. We all, we've got our own paths. We are on separate trains, however you want to look at it. In terms of growth and being on the path, we have different speeds, different ways we want to grow. 
And this is true of person, personal relationships, but relationships within organization as well. And the most important thing is that growth is individual, but ideally we want to all grow in the same direction. And I guess that's the that alignment that you're talking about, that we that, that's some our North Star. We might have different ways of getting there, we might have different needs, but it's just getting to that point together. And this this is probably my favorite reflection or quote part of the book where you talk about I think again you you might be quoting somebody as I think it was Richard Barrett that, that made this observation in terms of the, the performance of a business is determined by the unmet emotional needs of the founder or the CEO and it's just one of those things that you read a sentence and you just go wow you know shattered glass breaking you you reach a different level and you just go out oh, it's so so important and again that leads back to the self-leadership uh, part of it and and i found it f- a fascinating perspective to take yeah i mean i certainly have seen it in some organizations where for example the founders have set up a business and the and it might be quite an unconscious intention is to create a kind of family feel, a family environment that they didn't have growing up in their family of origin. Now, that can be very galvanizing. It could create a real sense of belonging for people, you know, and I've seen the sort of the shadow side of that as well, you know, where the unmet need of the founder creates an environment where, for example, they're a favourite, you know, and other people who don't feel like, you know, the favoured child, it creates difficult dynamics. So it's about, I mean, ultimately, it's about creating healthy working environments. And, oh, my goodness, you know, you could say there are unmet needs running in all of us. So again, we're back to the self-leadership angle, the self-awareness angle, you know, let's each one of us do our inner work with the support of whether it's a coach, a therapist, a trusted friend to just shine some light on those shadier areas of ourselves so that other people are less affected by them. I mean, that for me is is healthy leadership behaviour. It, it would be a fascinating world to live in if we did 25% more self-reflection and be aware of the needs met and unmet and how they drive us. Because as you said, very good example, the unmet needs driving a business is not necessarily a bad thing, it can lead to no. some fascinating results that can change not just the organization, but change the environment, change the world. On the flip side, the negative connotation, the negative impact can be there as well. If we did more of that, it would be it would be amazing. I'd like to shift us again mm-hmm. to a completely different topic. It's something that's been on my mind, mostly because I'm I've lived in the UK for, for many years, but I'm originally Polish. And I mm-hmm. I've that's where I've been brought up. And I've been spending more time in, in Poland and I've been noticing certain elements of the structure of the mentality of the society that have always annoyed me a little bit that I didn't like that I managed to kind of change in, in my perspective in the times that I lived abroad. But with that connection, I'm curious about purpose in organizations beyond places like the UK, the US, developed world, if you, if you want to go, however you want to describe that, and countries 
like, for example, East, Eastern European countries where companies are driven still by money, where society is driven by fixed and scarce, scarcity mindsets prevail predominantly. And we don't have that. So purpose is this alien concept. I don't know what organizations, what countries do you work, but how does pur- purposeful, being purpose-led an organization transfer across borders and across cultures? You're reminding me that I was asked a question recently that it was something like, well, isn't purpose just for the privileged, you know, or the elite who've maybe got the time to reflect on, you know, on such things? And actually what I thought about was you might be familiar with uh, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, and actually how, you know, and, and the body of work he went on to develop is all about how finding a deeper reason and meaning to exist actually, you know, confers survival, survivability. And I think that's really present in Viktor Frankl's work. And in that way, I think meaningful work and a sense of purpose is the birthright of every single human being, whichever corner of the world they're in. So like that would be, for me, the starting point. And then, of course, you know, in our global world where there are such inequalities, you know, particularly, I think, between the North and the global South, it is not a level playing field at all. And I was, as you asked the question, I was thinking of the story that was in the news back in March, where Emmanuel Faber was ousted from being CEO of Danone, who owned the brands Evian, for example, and Active. And in a way, it was the loss of a real champion of purpose-driven business, because Faber really got the importance of, you know, paying attention to environmental and social credential, you know, not just profit maximization. So it was a very interesting, from a purpose-driven business perspective, it was an interesting story to see play out in the media. And some of the, some of his opponents and the people who voted him out were pointing to the much better track record of Unilever, of Nestle, and saying kind of Faber has, has failed here. And yet my understanding is that in terms of Danone's markets, they're more active in countries like Brazil and Russia. More of their portfolio is there where there perhaps is less awareness around ESG credentials and purpose. And I think this is some of what your question is getting to. So it's a very good question. I think it is getting played out. And My hope would be that the growing business case that there is around purpose, that there is around the likes of Unilever, Patagonia, getting strong financial results while also making a difference and prioritising sustainable living, that that charts the course And that it means that companies in other parts of the world, whether that is Poland, Brazil, Russia, could look at these examples and learn from them and learn from a healthy track of development rather than just 
sort of blindly following the more westernized profit maximization business as usual model that would be my hope and there is a growing business case there definitely is a business case i think the reason is this in in like eastern european countries or however you want to group them is in particular maybe let's focus on eastern european countries they've gone they've got history and what's going on now is the result of what the countries have been through and the individuals in these countries have been to and the societies. And that's why they've got these certain mindsets that govern that. It's just a field that creates this monolith, this kind of concrete block that is so difficult to break down and, and, and change. That's why they're so resistant because everybody's still kind of, you know, protecting their own and not wanting to share. There's not that element of generosity and, and, and going. And I think being purpose-led and having that, that, you know, thinking about something greater than ourselves individually, but as our organization is part of that you need to be generous with that you you gave the example of patagonia all of a sudden they got 10 million dollars fantastic most organizations would just keep that probably do good things with it but it takes a lot of courage and as and again generosity to say actually you know what we didn't factor for that for that we don't need yes we could use that money but we can do something better with it we can give it away which is a fantastic thing and it's just going to take a while to to catch that up i'm guessing it's a generational thing because the people who were raised post war in 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 the soviet union or just outside of it are impacted by that and these are the people who are running our organizations let let me let me be clear poland and other countries here have gone through fantastic phenomenal changes in the last 15 20 years compared to mm. when i was when i was living here there's still a little bit catch up and i'm always probably biased and, and far more critical of my of my own because i know so much potential then we can do so much better and i am kind of in in that mindset and i don't give them and give give and these these countries enough benefit I'd like to ask you some of the questions that were sent in by uh, listeners, and they'll probably jump around a couple of things as well. Some of them we might have covered might open up might open up a couple of other things, and they've been sent in by listeners. I, if you if you are listeners and you want to ask questions for, for for future guests, please feel free to join the community, join the mailing list, and that's kind of usually how I notify everyone. So you can find the links on in the show notes and on the website. One of the questions that came up and i actually quite like it is should we have in our organizations that we've got ceos cfos ctos cpos and stuff like that should we have a chief purpose officer or chief vision officer in our organizations what what do you reckon oh well i have met i work with a chief purpose officer who gave himself that title so a shout out to my colleague alberto otero gonzalez who has that very job title and all his work is about making work more purposeful for others i'm also thinking about joe alexander at bp who was a geologist worked for bp for a number of years and her story is wonderful. Very briefly, she became disillusioned with BP and left and went and did some questing, worked for a couple of years for the not-for-profit Blueprint for Better Business. That's also about helping leaders to be more purposeful and businesses to become a force for good. And then she went to BP's AGM meeting external to the organization and heard Bernard Looney, who is now the CEO, 
talking about repurposing BP. So BP's uh, new purpose is reimagining energy for people and the planet. And she went up to Bernard and said rather boldly, you can't do that without me. Anyway, she is now back working for BP as their, I think her official title is Purpose Engagement Manager. And her role is all about helping that purpose to be embedded at BP. So I think these are wonderful developments. And I hope I'm always slightly cautious of the should word, but I hope we see much more of that happening in organizations. Well, let's let, let's hope. Let's hope. I, I think it wouldn't hurt. Let's put it that way. It wouldn't help to facilitate the process and just to have that dedicated. Because I think you can have all sorts of titles, but if you've got other responsibilities that you need to do, that's that's not the point. Specifically chief culture officer, chief purpose, chief vision officer, whatever it is. But that needs to be solely your role and responsibility, not just an honorary title. I think that that's the key here. Another question, a common one, because we talked about purpose and vision actually is as, as a chief officer. Do you split? Well, let's just say purpose versus, purpose versus vision. What's what's the difference? Because I, I think so you could fall, throw mission into this as well. People often confuse these or are unclear what they are. How do you uh, see this? It's not maybe definitions or hard facts. It's just your perspective on this. Well, I think the thing about purpose is it's about the why. So it's that enduring and meaningful reason to exist. So let's take another example. So Brompton Cycles, the British engineering company who make the fold-up bikes, their purpose is to change the way people live in cities. And they're a great example of how their organisational purpose evolved. And we talked about this earlier. And they were saying, actually, it was only once our exports, international exports, got to a certain level And then we had enough global consciousness around environmental issues that we landed on that purpose for ourselves. So that's their purpose. I don't actually know what the vision of Brompton Cycles might be, but the vision might be, you know, that in a city like London, in 10 years time, we see more people cycling to work than we do taking the tube. You know, so the vision is to do with that desired future state that you could articulate, you could visualize, whereas the purpose is it's the why. So they're interrelated. You could say it really helps to unpack the purpose, to have the vision. And they are different. Brilliant answer. I love that. I love that. And another question that was sent in, and I think it would actually be probably be something that we've mentioned at the very start, links to, to it, to the cynicism. So what would you say to cynics, critics of building purpose-led organizations? How would you convince them this is not a fad? This is not a thing that is just a temporary marketing gimmick. How would you have that discussion? Not, don't want to call it argument. Let's call it discussion. Yeah, well... There is a growing business case. I cover some of the evidence and research in my book. And then, you know, since the book, my book was published, 
you know, there's more and more coming out. So if I just point to one reference, which is the book Grow the Pie by Alex Edmonds, who's a professor at London Business School, who's doing a great job of like synthesising the evidence, speaking about, you know, this movement of purpose-driven business, the fact that there are financial results to back it. So that's one thing. That's one place I would encourage the sceptics to go. Uh, We talked already about just paying attention to actions, not just words and authentic leadership behaviours. And I would also point to, and again, we've covered it, the growing trend, particularly amongst younger people for meaningful work. Like, I don't think that's going to go away. And finally, I think there's also a growing movement. Um, It sometimes gets called impact investing, where some of the investment companies, well, they're increasingly paying attention to ESG, environmental social governance metrics of organisations and saying, actually, it's the companies that are going to be sustainable in the future are the ones with the strong ESG metrics or the ones that have got the B Corps accreditation. To get B Corps accreditation, you need to have a clear purpose that makes a social difference. So if you actually put all those different trends together, I think it paints, you know, quite a compelling picture that just one on their own might do, might not um, be convincing for the sceptic. But look across, look across the board. Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope it answers. I'm sure it answers the question um, uh, asked by, by one of the listeners. You and I could be talking about this for you know weeks on end I'm thinking we've already had a had a really good go I'd like I'd like us to finish up because I'm very mindful of your time and and you're being so generous for devoting so much to it one of the last questions I want to ask you is is more about you what have you got going on in the next few months we, we, we are recording this at the end towards the end of May what's summer ahead for you any exciting projects anything that you're really looking forward to in in the next in the rest of 2021 yeah well thank you I mean I'm I'm keeping going with my colleagues I've mentioned Alberto already and then there's Chris Blackwell also at the Purpose Collective and we offer free fortnightly sessions on Zoom with guest speakers but the topic is always purpose whether it's personal team organizational we've got some master classes coming up focusing on team purpose in June and September so I'm buzzed about that I'm coaching a number of leaders all about helping them go on their journey to become more purpose-led I really enjoy the one-to-one work so helping them with their you know, leadership timelines and digging into their crucible moments. So really enjoying doing that. And maybe the final thing would be, I hope in the autumn that I'll pick up my pen again. I'm writing short articles and blogs and things, but, you know, I've I've learned to give myself a bit of a rest between big writing projects. But yeah, I have a sense of what I want to write next. So I'm hoping I'll get round to that later in the year. Okay, another book in the pipeline, maybe? 
Let's see. Let's see. But I, I'd really like to write something that speaks more to, and I mean, you spoke about it, that individual, that process of individual growth and or individuation, as psychologists would call it. And what supports that, what sometimes gets in the way, you know, that element of self-leadership. I would really like to write more in that territory. So I'm hoping the introverted part of me will um, have enough time to do that. Well, if if I may put it on the record, I'd, I'd very politely request to be one of the first people that interview once that book or whatever shape it takes comes out. I'd, I'd love to do that. It's been an absolute joy to to do have a chat with you today. You mentioned a lot of stuff in terms of that the the the, the information content that you're putting out. What's the best way for people to follow that that those blog posts and where can they find them? Oh, well, I'm active on LinkedIn, Sarah Rosen Tooley. You're welcome to connect with me there on Twitter. And then my the best way to get to my website is to go to bridgeworkconsulting.com. And you could always send me an email there or have a read of the blog posts there too. Brilliant. I'll include the links. And to just recommend yet again the book to, to everyone empowered by purpose, if you read the book, you will know why Sarah's business is called what it's called. It's a fascinating bit of information about the that that name and actually what a bit of background, additional background about Sarah. It's, a, it's fascinating. I actually found it very, very interesting. I absolutely love Shropshire, that part of the world, and Shrewsbury. And actually, I'm going to ask you, Shrewsbury mm-hmm. or Shrewsbury? Oh, it's hotly debated. I am, <laughs> I am a Shrewsbury girl. My brother says Shrewsbury, so either way is fine. But I tend to say Shrewsbury. Okay, are you are you on talking terms with your brother? Oh, we are. Okay, we good. Are. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was, I wasn't sure how big of a vision that is, but yes, it definitely for people outside of the UK, this question does not make sense. But it's it's a fascinating debate. It's the same as scone or scone, right? Isn't it? Indeed, yeah, indeed. It different. Is. It's 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 different. It's a very, very interesting one. I always wanted to thank you. First of all, as I said, for the generosity that you showed by staying with me for nearly an hour and a half chatting on this. But most of all for the work that you've produced and for the book, because reading your book makes makes me hopeful. I often find myself in the situation where I'm kind of in a little bit of a despair about how things are in the world and how we build our organizations. And I think that I often question the path I'm on as well with the work that I do, helping build better organizations that are people focused. And making reading your book makes me feel hopeful about that we do have a fighting chance if we do do that. And we need more, more authors, more work like these, because the, the book is fascinating on so many levels. The, the, the simplest thing that I absolutely love, and I wish more books did it, is acknowledgments at the start. It's such a simple thing, but you acknowledge the people that helped you build this. It's not an afterthought at the end of the book when that no one reads. It's at the start. If you're really grateful for the, for the help that you've received, put them at the start. And I absolutely love Not to mention the content. It's just so, so easy to read, so pleasurable. And most of all, I like how personal, personal and emotional very often gets. So I absolutely love that. Thank you for that, the work that you do. Please continue doing it. And I love to have you on the show uh, again, or just continue supporting and, and spreading the word that you are spreading. Thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. 
It's me again. Just one more thing before you take off. Head over to human.pm forward slash we got this. That's all one word, where you can find this and previous episodes show notes, suggest a guest or topic, ask a question, or join the community of other listeners. Until next time.